This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the best, fastest, easiest way to make your very own professional website, portfolio, blog, or online store with no coding or design skills required. Just go to squarespace.com with the offer code THUMBS at checkout, and you will get 10% off your first order. And if you sign up for a year, get a domain name for free. That is Squarespace. Dot com with the offer code thumbs. Yeah. Uh, doi. Uh, <laughs> doi. Christ. I heard that in something recently. Was it the Neverhood soundtrack? I can't remember what it was. <laughs> what is it, Jake? Doi. <laughs> We're going to lose my brilliant doi opening. <laughs> I can I can splice doi in there. Splice doi in there. That is a straight, that's a forgotten language. It was yeah. an Esperanto peer that was, <laughs> it was dropped. Was <laughs> <laughs> the, the, Spliced away in there is is uh, that right. language is future civilizations for, will find that for, recording for put doy in there <laughs> for it's July seventh, twenty sixteen. Uh, doy, it's July seventh, twenty sixteen. This is Idle Thumbs two hundred seventy. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. And I'm Jake Rodkin. That was a very polite, I'm Chris Ramo. Yeah. You're like. Yeah. Trying to be as polite as I can. Trying to news hour it up <laughs> on this yeah. news hour. But first. News. Yeah. No, Wizard Jam. Well, news about Wizard Jam. Oh. Uh, Wizard we're, news. <laughs> we're go- It's true. We're going to do the second Wizard Jam stream, probably the second and final Wizard Jam 2016 uh, stream this Saturday, uh, which is uh, July 9th at, we're going to say noon Pacific. That sound that's that sound correct. good, everyone. Yeah. So yes. So uh, that's at twitch.tv slash idle thumbs. We're going to stream the remainder of the Wizard Jam 2016 games that uh, were submitted to the Idle Thumbs Community Game Jam just a couple months ago. And I don't know. I think we said we might do some Wizard Jam 2015 streams. Uh, Wizard Jam 2015 games. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. We'll yes. see how much time it takes. Uh, for those of you who missed. Wizard Jam or the previous stream, Wizard Jam is, as Chris said, uh, it was a, an Idle Thumbs community game jam where a bunch of listeners, oh, excuse me, a bunch of readers made short video games over the course of two weeks, uh, and the game's names had to be Idle Thumbs episode names. If you want to catch up, we actually streamed a couple dozen of these uh, a few weeks ago, and you can find that in our highlights at twitch.tv slash Idle Thumbs or on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Idle Videos. You just go to the videos tab uh, and find that. There's some amazing stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also play the games in advance at itch.io slash jam slash wizard dash jam dash 2016. So it's true. A, it's a long URL mm-hmm. um, that leads to a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Wizard Jam. And on, on that note, we have been doing a lot more streaming recently at our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Idle Thumbs. I did a, uh, a Just Cause 3 stream over the weekend um, because there was a new DLC that came out actually like a month ago, but I hadn't played it yet, so I just did that. Nick's been streaming a lot of Dark Souls, and I think you're going to try and stream more Dark Souls before... Today! Wizard Jam. Oh, really? Today? Today. All right. So yesterday. No, today. Oh, Wednesday. Today, Thursday. Oh, God, we put episodes out on Thursday now. <laughs> hey, all right. Today, Thursday. Yeah, and if we can get five more uh, Twitch subscriptions on there, that, that quickly enough, that means by the Wizard Jam stream on Saturday, the emotes for Sean and Danielle will have been unlocked. So then uh, it will be good. It'll be a good thing. Every host ever of Idle Thumbs will be there. Not Steve. Not Steve, Steve hosted the Idle Thumbs podcast. Oh, that's, oh, that's true. true. That's true. That's true. Let's, uh, hmm. <laughs> anyway, now. A meaningless distinction that literally nobody listened to this will, under, will understand. I'm sorry. So now that that bullshit news is over, uh, let's talk about real news. Yes. Uh, it, it is actually real news. It is actually legitimately yeah. newsworthy. And this, like, not. Yeah, not in the it fake is, game it, sense. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> shocking the... how much this is actual real news, I think. Um, especially in the sense that it, it is like extraordinarily outraging in the way that real news just is now, always. Mm-hmm. Um, there, as a lot Brexit. of people have... <laughs> <laughs> as a lot of people have uh, um, 
emailed us to say and tweeted at us and, and everything else. There is a crazy scandal that has been unfolding in the Counter-Strike Go world. Um, so we've we've gotten some some reader mails recently, right, about general... We talked, we talked about yeah. CS Gunskins last week in the context of... Uh, Rob, the f- the hat baron who broke bad and like ran off with like various people's money and all sorts of stuff, then was also making thousands or millions of dollars as a CS gun skin yeah. peddler. Yeah. Um, and we also talked a little bit about the gambling stuff last week in a reader mail, right? right? Be- because these uh, these uh, CS Go weapon skins have a value that people are willing to part with money for. Like they just like anything else that's worth real dollar value they can be used in gambling and so there are sites that are set up um that allow people to it's a, uh gamble as far as i can tell the gambling flip, is very right? simple yeah it's just like a it's a coin flip gambling sort of apparatus and the site presumably takes some cut of proceeds and and you know you win or you lose and, and that's that um which is really i think bad just on it uh, on its face like that just because one of the reasons it's successful is because it's a way to basically skirt um uh age restrictions for gambling because you're technically gambling these like just sort of digital skins you're not actually it's- gambling money so it's a way for for children and teens to uh gamble with something that to them is very valuable that they and other people are willing to spend in some cases like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on. I think some of these individual skins are like tens of thousands of dollars. There's some, some five cases. digit. Yeah. yeah I think. Which is, which is absolutely bonkers. I mean, even um, if there's not specifically CS skins, there are five digit items inside the steam economy, which right. means that you can trade things in and out to right. get to right. CS gambling. So that's all like pretty, pretty distressing, I think to begin with. And then what has come out in the last week um, for all I know, this has been, I think this has probably been slowly coming out for longer in the world of, but of CSGO. There but was a now notable U- a video report that sort of compiled all of the evidence. Yeah. What has come out uh, uh, based on the research of some YouTubers and people in the CSGO community is that one of the most popular Counter-Strike uh, gambling sites, CS Lotto, is actually owned co-owned by at least two and I think actually possibly more than two prominent CSGO YouTubers who have made, who have a significant history and have seen massive success by posting videos to YouTube, encouraging people to use this website, but not disclosing the fact that they have an enormous financial stake in it. They post videos Acting as though they like, just like stumbled I on this, this site. site. Whoa! Watch me win like, tons yeah, of money gambling. Hit it rich, yeah. struck it rich by gambling CS:GO skins, and they'll post videos of their like incredible winning streaks on this website that they own. Um, some people have suggested that they uh, they themselves have like uh, engineered the results of their transactions to like make it to to guarantee their wins. I don't even, I think that's like not even, who, who cares? Who it doesn't cares? matter. Right. Like just they, post the videos uh, of the times that you do win exa- naturally. It doesn't exactly, matter. Yeah. It's like if you actually owned a casino and you put a video up of you like winning at roulette five times and you're wearing like five different outfits and you're like, look, everyone's a winner here. <laughs> like, okay, that doesn't matter how, what you did to make that video happen. You can play the roulette wheel infinite times. Right. Because all the you, money you lose is yours yeah. still. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Th- this is outrageous. I like this really infuriated me i but the thing that really like bummed me out all, all aspects of this bummed me out but a, a very specific thing that put a point on why one of the reasons this is such a bummer is i, I saw an instagram photo of some like i don't know must have been like a nine-year-old kid at disney world who had run into one of these this one of these youtube streamers one of the one of the one of the ones the two main ones who are implicated in this and this little kid is like, this is like his favorite streamer. And he took a picture. He had his like older brother take a picture of him, like standing next to this guy whose entire career currently rests on essentially defrauding children and teens out of their money by like impersonating a sort of lucky winner on this website that he owns. And seeing like, oh, right. The audience for these people is largely 
children and teens. Like just about every parent I know, you know, we're at the age now where a lot of our friends are parents and I know a lot of parents and universally, universally, every parent I know who has a child who is old enough to actually use the internet themselves says that the thing their kid does is watch YouTube. That is just what kids do now. Like YouTube stars are among easily, easily among the most influential people in the lives of modern internet connected uh, children and teens. And like, obviously there have always been hucksters on television and on the internet and everywhere else. But like the ability of uh, YouTube to give literally anybody a platform, especially one that is like incredibly seductive to people below a certain age is I, I recognize not like brand new. We've always had versions of that in terms of corporations marketing things to impressionable kids and teens, but you can literally just put an entire gambling like industry on (laughs) in a place that you're, kid can just reach now and it's just a huge bummer like it's just it really bums me out i think it really sucks yeah um this is such a downer to be talking about on this podcast (laughs) i'm sorry but oh god it's just the worst yeah it's i don't know is there a whole lot more to say about it beyond that i don't know it it blows i I don't know (laughs) i'm trying to i'm sitting here trying to think of like anything that's analogous growing up interesting one interesting sort of and i can't (laughs) it's just this is i feel like such a baby compared to kids today when the right i mean the only version of it i had was like begging my mom to use her credit card to get something that had been marketed to me but like 900 number or something yeah Yeah, right exactly i want a toy or like i want to call nintendo power for like six hours right i remember i remember begging my mom to let me call the lucas arts hint line and she's like, no, you're not going to do that. Yeah. That's co- like, no. Uh, yeah, but imagine if you, and then just you did it anyway. So I guess the you version of bad. the version of this that I had was, was, and I know we've talked about this before, was like calling up BBSs and the first time I ever did, in the first month I ever did that, racking up a $400 phone bill. Right. Um, and that's I, not the same. I wasn't the, being the, def- actively defrauded though. The closest thing to a, it though yeah. is like on like, like, call this number and you can talk to RoboCop. It's like that sort of mm. shit. Like call a 900 <laughs> number and answer these trivia questions and you could win like a RoboCop phone or, yeah. you know, like that. It's, uh-huh. It feels like, it, it or, feels like, like 900 yeah. numbers aiming at kids or like join shitty record clubs. Sweepstakes. Like, yeah. But like yeah. the the thing that, or there's a couple things that I'm interested in that I don't entirely know the answer to. And one yeah. of them is where do kids get the money that they gamble? Like, are kids given an allowance from their parents that they're then converting into steam currency? Or is this like kids playing other games that have drops? Then they use the trading system to get CS skins by doing item for item trades. Uh, like where, where does the money enter the system that these kids have? Uh, Cause even though kids do a lot of this stuff, I know that not a lot of kids still have debit or credit cards unless they go and find them online. That's true. That, so like wh- I probably overstated the amount that, in, that kids are the ones who are funneling but thousands of dollars into even, this. The thing, but, about, yeah. the thing that, that makes your point still stand is that because these guys are doing this stuff, even if a kid can't do it right now, it's now an aspirational goal to That's be able thing. to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which sucks because you can if you try. And the other thing that I'm wondering about is what Valve's feeling on this is because it feels it seems like Valve, when this story broke, they put the like Steam – uh, this is bad content blocker on those guys on on CS Lotto. If you tried but to, then go to, they lifted it. Yeah, if you tried to go, to, yeah, if you tried to go to CS Lotto for the first like day, it said this is a like gambling or. And abusive I think the site. reason Valve had the ability to do that is because these sites actually used uh, an API, like a Steam API, to uh, like right check your inventory. But then Valve pulled that guide off. Right, I think Valve said they had an overzealous moderator that had flagged the site. But that moderator was correct. I know. Well, I think they they then removed the flag, then like re-added it after that. I was reading okay. through a story on PC Games and where that and and basically the story had about 18 like updates because all of this information has been coming in so quickly. Um that you know, I mean Valve was a company that sort of notoriously is very data-driven. Yes. Um rather than, you know, like it's it's unclear to ever really know i i have no idea how valve looks at this stuff i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah it's 
I, that's the, the story that I would love to know is when that person flagged the site and Steam warnings told people that it was a compromised site or that it was an, a bad site. I wonder what the meetings are because the worst version of that is someone noticed a graph going down and going, uh, you cannot block that site. That's the sh- absolutely shittiest, most like Andrew Ryan rapture version of this <laughs> is uh, blocking the most popular gambling site h- had an impact on the economy internally and Valve noticed and removed the ban. The better version is that there was a really healthy conversation about what their stance is on this content. Right. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I I wouldn't know though. That's this. It's it's freaky that you could that there is a world where all of those conversations potentially happened inside of that office. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the presence then removal then potential reappearance of that block. It's like oh no, so there's yeah. like there's something is happening back there. There's a person back there, and is having a conflicted day. There was a robot back there. A robot. Yeah, I do not know. The behavior is my more rules. Just like, my rules. Yeah. Man, they, the they, went on a, they went on a lottery. Down. The morals are up. They, nah. went, they went on a website and just flipped a coin <laughs> six times. Every three hours, our block robot plays right. CS Lotto. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Robot's got a six skin. When the right when now, the when though. the yes, <laughs> when, the, when the block robot reaches a certain cash threshold, it cashes out and just leaves its job. <laughs> no more sites are blocked. <laughs> the funny thing about the word robot now is that it just means everything. Like That's everything true. is just a robot now because everything is a, is a goddamn computer. I mean, yeah. like what? Like I'm people, not a I mean, robot. Person. I think used to mean like sort of articulated machinery that you know is connected to some yes. kind of like logic, but. But now it doesn't. I mean, now like we refer to bots as like just things that are yeah. exist only in software, and we refer to like robots. I think robots and AI are becoming increasingly like conflated as terms. I don't know what this is. It's because robots, the the like uh, idealized version of a robot was just this all-knowing sentient AI. Yeah. Right? So, so now that exists. that is possible, yeah. it may as well just be a robot, right? Right. Yeah. Now that's just what everything is because everything just is the internet. Exactly. Yeah. 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 In conclusion, streaming is horrible. Please tune in <laughs> this weekend uh, at our new streaming website, idlethumbs.casino. Yeah. We're going to swat Man. a lot of people while we're on that stream. It's going to be great. There was one email from Joe Kohler who wrote in and said, Hi, Thumbs. I'm mad you've already seen or discussed the video, but I wanted to highlight this amazing look at the dark side of CSGO, Deception Lies, and CSGO. And I do want to mention that one video because that was the first thing I watched that turned that turned me on to this. And it's by H3H3 Productions um, on YouTube. It's called Deceptions, Lies, and CSGO. Anyway, um, the other th- the I just wanted to mention that. The thing he mentions that I want to just quickly touch on, uh, he says, a quick summary. Free-to-play models like the one used in CSGO are inherently similar to gambling. Valve is, un- to, Valve is unwilling or unable to regulate the incredibly profitable market it created. I mean, we'll see if that ends up staying true or not. Three, the existence of lottery sites for weapon skins amplifies the gambling aspect of item crates. Four, some YouTubers are promoting these sites through get-rich-quick videos. And five, um, as if that weren't enough, two of the YouTubers doing this are revealed to own the lottery site they're promoting. Despite these kinds of scandals, YouTubers continue to be seen as authentic and trustworthy, while on the side of critics, anything from review scores to Patreon donations is obsessively scrutinized. I guess this is the media hellscape we now live in. Anyway, thanks for all the pods you've cast on my face over the years. Joe Kohler, deadpan on the forums. And that last point was the thing that struck me about this because it does seem like just broadly and globally, we're living in a time now where anything institutionally, anything that is institutional is basically intrinsically distrusted and ridiculed. um, Whereas things that seem that things that come from a populist bent, um, are are increasingly are given increasing primacy and and I like this YouTuber thing really illustrates that I think because while it's you know while it's true that obviously I mean you know we we are those people basically we have a a, a podcast that that we just created ourselves with no backing from any media organization or anything like that um, and we have we stream games that you know a tiny community of people watches but. So whatever, like, obviously it's totally possible to use all those tools for completely benign purposes. Um, but it is a bummer. Which is totally what we do. <laughs> but it is a bummer that there is so much just like at this point, social distrust of um, like any kind of export 
opinion because what ends up happening is the sort of decentralized versions of criticism and opinion end up gaining the kind of like financial uh, success and um, like uh, influence that you would traditionally associate with old media or traditional media, except that without any of the like surrounding institutions, it's actually harder to keep them accountable. Um, I don't really have any further point to make about that. It's just a real, it's just a real bummer to me. Um, like, of course this is happening. Like, of course it is. Yeah. Why wouldn't it? Anyway, I mean, like you can just, uh, there are parallels to this in like, at this point, every facet of modern life, you know, from like international politics. Yeah. Down to counterstrike skins. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that even this, (laughs) even, even innocent counterstrike. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, it's like, it's like (laughs) obvious. This is uh, most of the time, obviously something like counterstrike would just be a, you know, like, I mean, it's just a pastime and was for what coming up on two decades now maybe first we'll have the rise of words like huckster and charlatan coming back into the regular uh parlance now that we have them like in the, <laughs> oh man that's true and then maybe yeah. we'll have a, a resurgence of of a need for institutions yeah. who uh we probably man, won't i guess we've totally been here before haven't we yes mm-hmm. yeah that's oh, really yeah. interesting oh yeah yeah you can I mean, trust in a me totally because different of my personality form, but... while i meanwhile become a like old-timey villain yeah yeah huh. anyway yeah that's actually one of the like people talk obviously with people like donald trump and whatever people talk a lot about like fascism and so on these days but i really think that's the wrong metaphor i think you're actually right much more on the money in terms of like hucksters and that brand of populism i think is much closer to to what we're experiencing now Mm -hmm. anyway yeah yeah video games fun video game (laughs) podcast cs cs hucksters (laughs) <laughs> classic map it, yeah hucksters 2 <laughs> big game hucksters yeah, but yeah. <laughs> dollar sign dollar sign yeah. dollar sign <laughs> okay break time break break video games this episode of idle thumbs is brought to you by casper Casper manufactures incredibly well-designed mattresses and sends them directly to your door for a shockingly fair price. If you go to casper.com slash thumbs and use the offer code thumbs, you will get $50 towards any mattress purchase. Casper mattresses are only $500 for a twin size mattress, $950 for a king. There are other sizes in between there. Um, those are already incredibly fair prices for mattresses, which you will know if you've been shopping for mattresses anytime recently. And you can get $50 towards any of those mattress purchases by going to casper.com slash thumbs and using the offer code thumbs. I have slept on a Casper mattress. It is super comfy. It comes in a little box that like explodes a mattress out into your home once you take it inside. Uh, and then you put it on your bed and you will be pretty stoked about getting a good deal on a mattress that feels really nice and will last you a very long time. Can't really go wrong with a mattress. Nice. Yeah. In case nice. you're concerned, you might go wrong. They have a hundred day uh, complete guarantee, you know, return guarantee. I don't think you're going to need it, but they offer it just in case because that is how much they stand by the Casper mattress. They stand by it while you sleep on it. That's not their slogan, but I'm going to say it as though it were. Uh, that's Casper.com slash thumbs with the offer code thumbs for $50 towards any mattress. Nice. Thanks, Casper. Oh, you're welcome. Video game. I stand by you Thanks. While, you, while you sleep. Thanks. <laughs> hmm. uh, Just in case. Okay. That doesn't make me feel any better. This episode of Idle Thumbs is also brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the best, fastest, easiest, most user-friendly way to make your very own professional blog, website, portfolio, or online store. You don't need any design or coding skills. It's got an incredibly easy interface where it's you're building the website as it's right in front of you. You click to edit the content. It's incredibly straightforward. If you go to squarespace.com, you can sign up without a credit card and just get going immediately. And when you check out, use the offer code THUMBS for 10% off your first order and 
if you sign up for a year, you could get your very own domain name tossed in there. Uh, you could get all kinds of things. We just registered idlethumbs.casino. <laughs> See where it goes. Squarespace is really cool. I have used it for multiple different sites at this point. Um, I Probably the next thing I'm going to do is put together a portfolio site for myself since I have never really had a good one. And that seems like something that is nice to have. Again, you can get started without a credit card. You can start like dragging stuff around and editing content based on any number of templates that are already up there. You can modify it as much as you want or as little as you want. Works on mobile, desktop, everything. It's it's just really nice. It's a really, really nice solution that covers the entire thing all the way from your domain name to your final site up and running. So if you go to squarespace.com, when you're ready to check out, use the offer code THUMBS for 10% off. And if you sign up for a year, get your free domain name. Thanks, Squarespace. You're welcome. I'm all brands. <laughs> I know. Video games. I don't even know what Big Game Hunters is. Oh, Big Game Hunters was a classic StarCraft 1 map, yeah. oh, okay. uh, multiplayer map that had like shitloads of minerals everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So it, it would encourage these hilarious games where you just turtle up in your base and build hilariously huge maxed out 200 food armies. And you would just, just launch yourselves at each other with like infinite battle cruisers versus carriers or whatever i mean it was stupid it was they did they it became the most popular (laughs) like uh, there were a ton of variants of it and it became the map that just everybody used because it was just easy mode map yeah yeah but it would lead to these like interminable games. i used to love being a troll on that map and just rushing like not not holding up at all just actually playing starcraft and that was the yeah i didn't play a lot of starcraft i signed on to battle.net once and was wrecked and then never came back Mm. that's fine i was so wrecked we're back oh we are back and we brought all the latest games nick yes nothing you've just been saying sure a lot oh nick's word today and many days yeah I heard you guys played a game. <laughs> um, <laughs> we've played only the latest in under 20-minute interactive first-person experiences. I don't know if any of them are the latest. Well, I, I checked out uh, Assemblance, which I think showed up somewhat recently on Steam and a little bit before that on PlayStation 4. Um, I don't even know what this is. It's yeah. It seems very much like it's a post PT game mm. uh, in mm. that spooky things happen and reality changes. PT was the 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 playable teaser for Silent Hills, the mm-hmm. Kojima Del Toro game that never came out. Right, um, where you walk down a hallway over and over and spooky stuff happens. Assemblance is a first person game. It actually it's got some good stuff in it. It feels like um, an interesting twist on sort of walking simulator, explore a world plus the sort of repeated spooky stuff that happens in PT. Mm. You play uh, as a person inside of a small science facility where it seems like they have what looks like a uh, there's a little console in this room and then there's a big empty cube in a, in a neighboring chamber that looks like the holodeck from Star Trek or something. It's just got grid lines. Um, and on the terminal, you can load up your what I think are your own memories um, the game starts in media res and there's only one thing on the terminal. And when you press it, uh, the little like cube room f- glows white. And when you walk inside of it, it sort of glitches out. And then you're inside of a, a space that you can explore. And then as you notice things in there, it makes more things appear on the terminal. So you can sort of loop mm. in and out. Oh, that's um, a cool idea. So you can, yeah, you can unlock pieces inside of those memories. And then it it has that sort of cheesy PT mechanic of if you look at the right thing, you get freaked out for a second and then other things happen. But um, like you can make things happen in the world by observe, by observing details. Um, it is, it's pretty cool. Um, it's very short. I think that I, I got to, I got to the end of the experience. I think there are other endings. I also think that there's additional either episodes or more content that's going to roll out. But right now, you can play through it once in like thirty minutes or forty minutes. Um, it's it's so. So, what is this? Is it? I mean, is it? Do you buy it? Like, yes. Wh- yeah, it's a game that you pay for on Steam or PlayStation. Okay. Um, I don't remember how much it costs, but I will look it up. Um, I think that it's made by a collection of people who were formerly of Monolith and Bungie. Hmm. Yeah, it looks like Bungie, Monolith, and Visceral former developers. Yes. Huh. 
That's interesting. So it's like, so the business model for this thing is they sell you a short experience and then it grows over time. I'm or? not sure what the business model behind it is. I know that it's a short game. Um, oh, it's okay. There's so the sorry the first episode is what came out. Okay. Previously, I guess. I don't know what their deals like. How you pay? What the pay plans are for it over time or anything like that. I mm-hmm. know right now it's ten dollars. It's an interesting experience that. I feel like there's more to it, in part because there was a cryptic video game narrator at the <laughs> end that I think told me that I could have poked at it more. Right. Uh, and YouTube playthroughs seem to indicate that I could have poked at it more. But even like, I said it was like 20 or 30 minutes, but I th- I don't, I think I've probably actually spent more like an hour poking at it because I got stuck in a couple places. The experience of loading up the memories, the room loads up, and then you can discover stuff, but you know that you know more about the stories. So you know that there's to, what things to pay attention to in, inside of the space. Also, you don't know all of the mechanisms inside of the game that are making the world change. It means that even though you're cycling through a very limited amount of content, it by the end of it, I got pretty heavily into the mode of actually picking up, picking at all the details and reading everything in the space. Whereas the first couple times through uh, any of these spaces, I just kind of wandered in and went, "Oh, cool, a new level." Mm-hmm. Um, it is shockingly difficult to find the Steam page for this game. It's partly because, yeah, it does It does not help that it is spelled weirdly. Oh, it is? How it's is it spelled? It's spelled with one S. Oh, my God. Because it, it's... Uh, oh, for fuck's sake. The okay. Word, it's mm-hmm. the word... Bad job, everyone. Yeah, the word semblance with an A in front of it, so it's like a semblance, but also it's like maybe uh, A, like meaning non-semblance. Uh, it's just... Just clever enough. If you look close enough, it's training you. Oh my god! I was searching like all over the place. How am I not able to find this? A S E M B L A. That is really irritating. Yes. Okay. So search for that on Steam, and you can find this video game. Yep. Steam also that's compounded with the fact that Steam's search is like the most hilariously traditional. Yeah. So I mean, like it's It's obviously fuzzy. Yeah. It's clearly is sort of fuzzy because other things will come up, but none of the things I looked for came up. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. I see. So this is this this is ten dollars on Steam right now. It's also on on PS4, uh, and I guess there will be more of it. Although the Steam page doesn't. uh, Yeah. It's it's hard to know have any details on that. Yeah. I I haven't paid enough attention to it. Sean just totally cold recommended it to me, and now I'm playing the part of Danielle Riendo and randomly recommending it to you (laughs) at the beginning of the second half. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, So what are the other ten games you played this week, Danielle? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I think Danielle is actually posting her San Francisco like five minute adventure game uh, in the very near oh, nice. future. She posted oh, yeah. on Twitter about about updating her itch page. Um, it's an itchio. But no, the other thing that I played, I played it a little while ago, but we never talked about it. Was Fitzpackerton? I also played that. How recently did you play it, Chris? Oh, like a week ago. Okay, Fitzpackerton is a tiny game that was made at a game jam by um, Brennan Chung and uh, Teddy Deef among other people. Mm-hmm. There's two other people who worked on that, and I can't remember all of their names. But yep. um, but those are the two Idle Thumbs-related people, yeah, Brendan, or Idle Thumbs somewhat connected Brendan people. Chung being the one-man team that is Blendo Games, who made uh, Gravity Bone, 30 Flights of Loving, Flotilla, Adam Zombie Smasher, and coming soon, Quadrilateral Cowboy. Yep. And Teddy Deef hosted Playscape Los Angeles on the Idle Thumbs Network. Fitzpackerton is a f- fucking like, gut punch of a 10-minute game. I don't mm-hmm. know, like that... I don't even want to describe it too much. Like, what do you want to say about Fitzpackerton? Yeah, I, it's not a good idea to talk too much about it because it's free and you can play it in five to ten minutes. So what's even the point <laughs> other than saying it's good? I guess the thing I can say that is totally non-specific about any of the game's content is that the game manages to convey several different, like several sort of stages of plot and emotion while only using one in one gameplay mechanic that in basically every single other game it's been in is either neutral to bad or annoying. It like Which it uses what? a physics based like grab yeah. that is like always clunky in all games, including this one. Um, but the way that it uses it as its sole mechanic in the entire game um, be, only through context ends up being like really powerful super meaningful the, the yeah very very first build of this i think oh uh, weird okay so i don't know 
I don't know if there's. I think there's only one build that they released really? from the game jam. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's just then I played this game. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's like a five-minute thing, so I can't even imagine oh, what okay. it would mean to you. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you asked how long ago Chris had played it, so I assumed that there had been. The, it came out, I think that the, it was from a game jam six months ago or something, at least, yeah, maybe yeah, a year. Yeah. It's It's been around for a while, but it bubbles up on Twitter every now and then. Ah, I see. I played it, like, maybe a month ago or something. Mm. Um, it's one of those, like... I think I saw it because Steve started screaming about it, like, yeah. nonstop for, like, three days. For like, Yeah. He must have just stumbled upon it. Yep. Yeah. Or just remembered it. Yeah. All of all of Brendan's first person stuff is worth playing. Like, get Thirty Flights of Loving on Steam, and then go to the menu and load up Gravity Bone first. It's built into that game, and play those two games. They're really good. Yep. Yep. First person short games. Be cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks, Danielle. You're welcome. <laughs> Do you guys? Oh, you want to read reader mail or Nick? You want to talk about something? Uh, nah. 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 You're supposed to say sure. Oh, sure. <laughs> no, I've been watching the Summer Games Done Quick. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. Stream, which is the it started um, the bi-yearly. Uh, yeah, it started on Sunday, I believe. It's running through um, Saturday. But it's the, uh, yeah, by early. But um, watch Wizard Jam on Saturday instead. Right, yeah. I'm <laughs> this, right. <laughs> Twitch.tv slash idle thumbs. Uh-huh. Uh, I have two streams open on a dual monitor setup uh, and watch both. But have our audio on and their audio right. not. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But have their chat on and ours not. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Um. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, it's the bi-yearly uh, stream that um, I don't know why you, I, everybody knows what this thing is now by now. But anyway, it's uh, it's been good this year. And I watched a Demon Souls stream, which was very interesting oh, to nice. me because I I remember watching you play that game, Chris, before I had any context uh, of the yeah. Souls series. Yeah, um, back and in now, 2009 or whatever. Yeah, and now having played Dark Souls 3 and watching that stream from beginning to end uh which was just a hilarious like just, so just, so just obviously any just percent just straight run speed through. run yeah, yeah oh my god i mean just incredible because it's just it, it's insane like watching somebody navigate those levels to like you know 100 percent efficiency means that you're just like oh like every shred of the health bar is used to drop from impossible right. situations <laughs> right. and just yeah. go down like yeah. all the elevators that i would just fall off of and die from they know exactly when to drop from right from oh, that's crazy. Die. Yeah. Just, like everything is just 100 percent, you know yeah. um but it's yeah and it's really interesting to, to watch it and realize that it, it is just kind of a dark souls game like that series hasn't you know, evolved much, which is good because it was good from the start. Right. It's sort of refined more than it's, ref- it's refined more than, more than actually fundamentally. Yeah, the UI is the same. It's the exact same UI. It's really interesting. Anyway, um, yeah. Well, the UI, UI, the UI in that game was already like archaic mm-hmm. by the standards of modern games, and so they're True. just still using that right, like, yeah. hilarious yeah. UI model. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's really good. Yeah, that's cool. Man, God, Demon Souls. It'd be interesting to. From, I would be interested to play that game again now and just see what it feels like. Because I obviously, as you say, like the fundamentals of the series are are similar. Yeah. But I, it's been enough iterations at this point that I bet playing it would feel different. You know, like I bet that's enough steps back mm-hmm. that you'd probably recognize a lot of it, and there'd be a lot of it that would still feel like alien or or at least sort of odd. Yeah, I think the mainly control precision yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah. Um, well, you want to do some reader mail? Sure. If you want to send us a reader mail, you can write us at questions at idlethumbs.net. So true. So true. Got to say it. We sometimes don't say it. That's true. And then people just think we make all this stuff up. (laughs) That's also true that we do. I win millions of dollars from emails. (laughs) And you can too. You can too. Um, idlethumbs.casino. Carl Underwood writes, Carl from Chicago writes, he wrote that. Hello, Thumbs. I have a quick comment on Umbrolio. Chris, in a real Sly Boots move, you've gotten me sitting in front of a decent gaming rig, staring at a tiny phone screen on several occasions now. You have yet to mention the game's super strong set of sound effects. It sounds like Michael Brog, pronounced Brog according to his website, by the way, must have just recorded all the sound effects on a guitar. 
Playing with them on gives a, the game a subtle rhythm feel that really enhances the turn-based becomes action pace of the game you've described previously. It's the only time I can remember choosing to play a phone game with sound whenever possible. Also, the robots are beginning to condition us for our inevitable support role in their world. This is How Robots Work, a spot for the Indeed Jobs website. And there's a link to a YouTube video uh, titled How Robots Work. Oh, what was that? I heard a little bit of the audio there, Chris. I'm imagining that these are like robots work. Man, they apparently work with like backwards baseball hats on in a team together, doing all kinds of jobs. And the best place to find the job that's right for you is on the world's number one job site. Indeed, how the world works. What? What? Weird. Weird. You'll be replaced eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but until then, scrabble for the last remaining scraps right. of your human right. employment with Indeed. <laughs> this episode not brought to you by whatever that's Definitely site was. not brought to you by that website. Or robots. Though we love any robots who are listening to this show. <laughs> yes, we're our robot readers are our favorite readers. <laughs> Um, anyway, Carl ends with a postscript. Nick and whoever, whomever else it may concern, you should really keep playing Rocket League. It manages to involve hilarious physics game antics in a near-perfectly tuned multiplayer game. The average skill of the player base has skyrocketed since release, meaning better pace to the games and more exciting plays. Don't be a baby bird car. Learn to fly. I almost loaded Rocket League up this weekend. Oh, yeah. um, I chose not to because I realized that it would make me an infuriated, uh, horrible wreck <laughs> of a human again, yeah. which is why I stopped playing the game in the first place because I got just good enough to see how bad I was, and mm. that's when I stopped. Yeah. yeah, I can't. I can't do it. Maybe I'll do it again. Probably. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. I, oh, right. So, anyway, his actual email was about the sound effects in oh, right. Brolio. Yeah. yeah. This game has a really, really interesting soundscape that kind of functions as music without any actual, like, continuous music. Mm. Every so, I've talked before on the podcast about Imbrolios. Again, Imbrolios is an iOS um, turn-based kind of one-screen roguelike game. Um, that's really hard, but incredibly good, extremely well designed. I've talked about its super duper DIY aesthetic, not, not, not DIY in the sense that it looks like arts and crafts, but just, just clearly hand drawn by someone who's not an artist by trade. Uh, but that totally extends to the sound as well. It has this really charming sound palette where all of the moves, every like move in the game has an associated sound effect that as the as the reader says, like just sounds like he recorded it on a guitar. And when you are playing the game quickly, they all kind of just overlap on each other in a way that just sounds like a not very expert guitar player kind of like letting chords stomp on each other. Mm. And it totally works. Like it's not <laughs> like mm. it doesn't. I, I, a lot of times I think when I talk about the aesthetic of this game, it sounds like I'm sort of backhanding it. But it, it, it actually f- totally all comes together and it's clearly he clearly intentionally designed these sounds to not just like completely stomp on each other because he knew they would all overlap so they're very airy you know they're very like open airy chords they're not big heavy chords so it doesn't it's not actually like dissonant and terrible when they clash um it's just it just creates this weird like i don't know it's just very it's a very specific sound that i that again, the only th- that I, I I just have no touchstone for it. Hmm. It's just a funny little like charming soundscape that totally works with the very charming um, visual aesthetic. I, I'm still, by the way, playing this game more than any other game. It's so it's just ridiculously good. It's called Imbroglio, and it's on iOS, and it's by Michael Brog, I guess. Imbroglio, more like it is more like that. So yeah, there's that. Very good game. Nora Riley says, hi, Thumbs. Hi. I was pretty excited to hear Jake give ResEdit a shout out on this week's episode, Uh since I have pretty vivid childhood memories of using it to fuck around with resource forks and Mac programs. It felt like getting a glimpse of the primordial stuff that lurked beneath the placid placid surface of System 7 era user interface standards. A lot of what I did in ResEdit was just aimlessly break things, but I can think of one game where an organized modding community sprung up. Ambrosia Software's 1996 space adventure slash role-playing slash trading game, Escape Escape Velocity. Velocity. Yeah. 
Escape Velocity had built-in support for plugins. I guess the word mod hadn't made it to the weird insular Mac gaming community yet. And the main tool for authoring these was ResEdit, alongside community-made tools like EVEdit, which provided a ResEdit-like GUI for editing things like maps, NPCs, missions, or whatever. I'm sure there were Escape Velocity plugins all over the weird 1996 internet, but my first encounter with the community was on AOL's Escape Velocity keyword. It was, I'm pretty sure, the very first online community I'd ever participated in. So I'm probably not remembering any of this super accurately since I was like eight years old at the time. But I remember there being a huge variety of plugins from simple cheat mods that made every ship and weapon cost one credit or let you buy unobtainable ships to collections of new NPCs and ships often named after the plugin maker or their friends to things like Clavius and Beyond, which added entire new regions, governments, and missions to the base game. There were even a few total conversions. I remember two rival Star Wars plugins, one with nicer ship graphics, the other with a more polished map and missions. There was even one extremely strange Lord of the Rings plugin, which didn't change any of the base game's graphics, so you'd had ring wraiths flying around the Hobbiton system in Starfighters. <laughs> Good. Are you looking up Escape Velocity, Nick? I am. I think I... Yeah. I, oh, God. I feel like I played a lot of this game without knowing that it was called Escape Velocity in my brain <laughs> right now. That's like a classic that, 90s thing. Ugh. Um, anyway, I'll wrap up this email. Yeah. I only dabbled in making plugins because I was a small idiot child, but banging together something in ResEdit and EVEdit and seeing the NPCs and systems I'd made come to life in-game was probably one of my most important early gaming memories. Anyway, I've probably rambled long enough. Thanks for the blast of 90s Mac trivia nostalgia. Nora, or Rince Winch, Rince Witch on the forums. ResEdit is really interesting because in in this now, like obviously Windows and PC development dominated world, ResEdit feels like it's from the future if you go and look at it now. Um, Mac files of that era were split in half. Basically, every file contained a data fork, which was the like binary or text data of the file, and a resource fork, which contained all of its like rich media and uh, sort of component-based stuff. Not literally, not component-based uh, like being able to pull components in from another file, but you could open up like an escape velocity data file in ResEdit, and it was an Apple. And it used the Apple standard resource fork, which would mean that inside of ResEdit, you would just get a window of icons that showed the types of resources inside of that file. Then you could double click them and just view them. So, mm-hmm. like if you stored your game sprites in picked format in the resource fork in ResEdit, you would just get the complete tile set as a browsable list that you could then just copy and paste out of any paint program. That's crazy. If your sound files were a system in the System Seven sound form. Format, you could literally copy and paste sounds in. And if any of your text data was like text blobs uh, or even binary blobs instead of there, you could just through the mouse cursor, just open up those windows, edit the values, hit save and close it in a full like GUI. So if you were a Mac modder who played with Ambrosia games or early Bungie games, you were totally spoiled for how this stuff worked. Cause like you could yeah, change, that's amazing. you could change all the characters out in like in the early marathon games by literally just opening up all of their uh, animation files were the same in the same format as if you took a screenshot or something. It's, it was very strange, but really, really cool. Um, and I'm sure that's why that game in particular was able to be picked up. So, I mean, that game, Mm -hmm. uh, escape velocity was already a pretty like mechanically rich game for Mac, uh, for a Mac only game at that time. But the fact that it also meant it could be edited with just a standard Apple dev tool that was free meant that that community was huge, like probably a little bit ahead of its time for not John Carmack based uh, video games or blizzard, I guess. Anyway, res edit. Good stuff. That's pretty awesome. Also, yeah. its icon was a jack-in-the-box popping out of a Macintosh, which as a kid <laughs> was enticing as fuck. And then you could b- b- break everything because it was like the actual like resource editor. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it, I used ResEdit a yeah, couple of times it, without remembering that I did. Yeah. It didn't It didn't ship on the computer, but if you knew what it was, you could download it from Apple's website. I remember website that jack-in-the-box. Or, yeah, or get it um, <laughs> any place where people traded Mac floppy disks. <laughs> Idle Thumbs Not Casino. I was so bad at Escape <laughs> Velocity that I never played it, but um, yeah. yeah. I feel like I played a, a clone of that game, uh, mm. like a Starship Troopers clone of that game or something, huh. something stupid of that era. Man, yeah. Ambrosia made you a- played a Lord of the Rings clone. <laughs> <laughs> you played one of two yeah. competing Star Wars ones. Am- yeah. I, I, Ambrosia also made a, they made a 3D mech game called, I think, Avara, and its level format, like it was of the like- Doom Wolf 3D era where everything was basically just vector data. But mm-hmm. um, instead of inventing their own vector format, the Macintosh picked file format also allowed you to embed vector data because like Clarisworks Draw needed you to be able to draw circles and stuff. So basically you 
could use Clarisworks. I've talked about this before. You could use the Clarisworks draw program to make vector-based levels, save them out as a picked resource, and then load them up in that game as 3D data where, like, the, Crazy. S- the stacking order, like, of your shapes became height information and stuff. I don't wow. know. Mac... It's 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 predictable but hilarious that the way that you mod Mac games is by like using some other heavily GUI based program to make an abstract shape that then gets read as a level instead of editing text data. That's crazy. Yeah, that's really cool. Um. All right. Well, speaking of uh, like old 3D or fake 3D stuff. Uh, Nick Ives writes in and says, hey, I heard you talk about System Shock on your last podcast. I'd like to correct a couple of misconceptions. You incorrectly assumed it was fake 2.5D, like do more build engine games. This is not the case. I thought this was true. I I, I, I should have said something about it. Anyway. Oh, I, in- th- I thought it was full 3D, and I feel like one of you guys No, you said it. you said fake 2D. Did I? Yeah. Okay. You incorrectly assumed it was fake 2D. Um, System Shock and all the Ultima Underworld games were true 3D engines featuring real 3D level geometry such as bridges and tables. You could put things underneath other things. Ultima Underworld was even more impressive considering it came out in 92, almost a year and a half ahead of Doom. I remember my 486DX4 struggling with Ultima even with the turbo button engaged. <laughs> it wasn't until Intel <laughs> released the first Pentium a year later that I was able to play those early Looking Glass games in VGA. The idea of playing something in SVGA 800 by 600 wasn't something I could even imagine at the time. I remember one of the things I did upon upgrading to a Pentium 2, remember those weird cartridges they came in? I do not was going back and playing those three looking glass games in high resolution. Also, Chris stated that he found System Shock difficult to play during, due to the UI covering in the screen. While that was true for the Ultima Underworld games, in System Shock it was possible to completely disable the UI panels and play full screen. Oh, whoops. You could of bind, course it was. You could bind the UI panels to keys to, make them bring the, to bring them back up as required. God, of course you could. Many years later, someone modded in mouse look support, basically allowing it to be played like a modern first-person game. With Mouse Look, it plays somewhat like the sequel, with a key bringing up the inventory and disabling Mouse Look. The modern enhanced edition that's on sale features Mouse Look and improved graphics. I would highly recommend it. Even just blasting through it with everything set to easy and using a guide to help you when you get stuck is worth it for the atmosphere. I genuinely think the original System Shock is better than the sequel, and I already rate the second one as one of the best games of all time. Kind regards, Nick. All right. Truth knowledge drop yes. there. Did you guys see that the remastered version, uh, the one that they shipped, the, the demo they've shipped so far, they have smoothing and filtering turned off on all their textures. So even though the textures mm-hmm. are very high res, when you get close to them, they pixelate naturally. Yeah. I was I was really weirdly confused when I saw that, when I just walked up to a wall in the game and realized that because ah. it's so unusual in modern yeah. games. So good. It's really good. They, um, they announced in the Kickstarter that they're, potentially going to start filtering them mm-hmm. and a bunch of people got really upset so yeah. i hope that they at least leave that as a toggle i'm sure it'll be an option that that surprising retro feel even in that high fidelity space was really cool mm-hmm. that's cool uh oh man here's another here's a, a thing on csgo so david femia writes hey thumbs guys i've watched a man lose forty thousand dollars in one night gambling his csgo skins <laughs> oh no Jeez. a few years later he's still going strong wow this has been going for years Last I heard, he was involved in the CS Diamond scandal of 2016, where gambling sites were feeding him winning information. Uh, it started out with betting on pro matches, some, something I enjoyed to throw a couple bucks into from time to time. I watched a lot of pro CS and even have a three-cent skin riding on... And I found that even having a three-cent skin riding on a long-shot bet gives me some sort of thrilling stake in the outcome of a match. Betting on pro matches all started about three years ago. Shortly thereafter came plenty of high-profile match-fixing scandals, culminating in the iBuyPower team throwing Sevo Pro Match Series in 2014. iBuyPower had 97% odds to win the match, and the players involved netted tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh my God. This led to lifetime bans, Valve-sponsored events of seven people involved in the IBP organization, including four of five players. Match-fixing led to a severe unrest in the gambling community, causing gambling to devolve into something more devious. The current trends in gambling are, one, putting skins in a pot. The higher the money value you throw in, the better your chance of winning. Two, cashing your skins in for tokens. One token percent and betting on a virtual roulette wheel. 50-50 on red or black and 15 to 1 on green. When you want to cash out, you buy a skin for tokens from their mar- for their market price. There are many nights on Steam where I'm messaged by desperate youths saying things like, hey, could you please front me a simple knife so I can get started again? Oh, I lost my whole God. inventory tonight. Oh. The whole thing has spun so far out of control, it's crazy. Oh, no. As a 30-year-old man who loses $5 every few months and feels sad that watches teens lose thousands of their parents' dollars on a night-to-night basis, I don't know how I feel about this gambling site. Uh, stuff. 
<laughs> Either way, once skins are on the skeevy gray market, they are largely out of Valve's control and Valve ceases to profit. Essentially, this lawsuit on Valve is like suing the U.S. for printing dollars that are sometimes used in illegal gambling. Now on to the skins themselves. As Captain Invictus said, there are tons of very, very talented people making skins. I'm assuming because it's easier than it is in Dota. You can't change the actual model of the guns. You can only change the textures. So making gun skills, gun skins requires no modeling experience and has a relatively low barrier to entry. The way guns are approved, you should probably give it a shot, Jake. The way guns are approved <laughs> is similar to Steam Greenlight. You upload and people vote. When Valve releases a new series, they generally see the guns that are voted to the top of the bunch. Ultimately, Valve has the final say. Being a person with an audience, you stand a better chance of your guns standing out and being voted through. Just be sure to share your links if you do upload so people can vote. Check out the AWP Asimov AK-47 Aquamarine Revenge and Glock Water Elemental. I think you might dig their aesthetic. The base value of the weapons That's is... That's totally that guy's skins. <laughs> <laughs> the base value of weapons is largely on Valve's shoulders. If they determine a skin should be a rare crate drop, it will inherently be more valuable than a common drop. Beyond that, if it's a rare drop and people like your skin, it will be more valuable than other rare weapons. Technical prowess and creativity are your best friend. If you want your skin to have a high value, you should also try to texture popular weapons. The AWP, AK-47, M4A4, M4A1S, Glock, USPS, Tech 9 and P250. Either way, creators get paid a percentage of key and crate sales, so if you get in, you're making money. You also get a percentage of marketplace sales on your gun, so if your skin becomes valuable, you're making more money. There's less competition designing skins for less desirable weapons, so you're more likely to get in, but they are less likely to become valuable. This is getting long, so I'll cut this email. Captain Invictus brought up float value, which is a whole separate email, so maybe I should send a follow-up someday. Yes. Uh, get in on the action, Jake. I'd love to see you come up with. Keep up the good work, Dave. Attached is a dumb guy I whipped, a dumb gun I whipped up out of a copyright infringing Ford advertisement. Enjoy. <laughs> and then he has oh, yeah. a gun skin based on the like that weird Ford dealership Firewatch ad that came out. If you know what that is, uh, and it's just that advertisement wrapped around a, a gun. It's good. Yeah, really I was wondering weird. if I could maybe contact the photographer who owns one of those Jay Allard photographs and license that from him, and then maybe I wouldn't have to go straight <laughs> to Jay and I could make. Uh, a, a, an Allard skin. Right. Like maybe tint it gold. Call it J gold. <laughs> that would do That's, well. I mean, at that J- point, why aren't you wanting just the gold bloom? Yeah. Gold, gold bloom, gold gun. Gold blooms. Gold, uh, I feel like gold, gold bloom. Gold we're, bloom. We're oversaturated on gold bloom at this point. I feel mm. like. I feel like the world at large needs to just take a fucking break from Jeff Goldblum. Well, we just paid a bunch of money to order new cold blooms. So I don't like that that's your attitude. <laughs> well, first, cold blooms coming back um, very soon. But then after that, just get over it. <laughs> Remember when you were cool. Pretend you were in the original cold bloom batch with these. They're identical to the first one. So you can. True. We'll announce when those are back in the store. Those, by the way, if you don't know, which you probably don't, are our Jeff Goldblum faced uh, beer koozies or just general drink foam drink coolers? You should call it also um, on this podcast. All right, unless you guys want to do another email, but I might have to run away. Okay, we'll do one more email. It's very short. Okay, you can leave if you want. Uh, Chris, maybe Stone, I will. Chris Stone says, "I feel the need." This is to Nick. I feel the need to point out that All the right. Golden State Warriors player Draymond Green was oh, not man. suspended don't, don't because even, LeBron don't James. Even, no, I don't want to hear this shit. No, because no, Draymond the podcast Green is over, Chris. slapped I can't LeBron read James it. in the nether as a flagrant. Oh, foul. sure he did. This being Draymond's fourth flagrant in the playoffs, he was suspended for a game by rule for Game Five. Okay. Love the show, Chris, mm-hmm. Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, well, great email. <laughs> Wonderful email thanks for joining us on out of thumbs yeah kevin durant now what do you, what do you say about that you can do <laughs> read your mail you too can write us at questions at out of thumbs.net <laughs> if you have any useful information for nick Bregan or anyone else uh again we're streaming wizard jam 2016 part two on saturday july 9th at noon pacific time at twitch.tv slash idle thumbs <sighs> Uh, we stream plenty of other stuff nick today if you actually listen to this in time we'll be streaming dark souls well, now I'm going to be streaming NBA 2K16 <laughs> with Kevin Durant on my team and beating every other team or whoever that guy's team is. <laughs> Good. Anyway, that's all at twitch.tv slash idle thumbs. Um, thanks for listening. We're on Twitter at idle thumbs on Facebook at facebook.com slash idle thumbs. And we'll talk to you guys next week or even sooner on Twitch. Bye. Idle thumbs. Right. Casino.
I almost just used the wizard URL. Oh, does that uh, work? Does that go anywhere? It, it does. What is it? Autofilms.net slash wizard? Twitch.tv slash. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah why? It's so funny that I that's almost real. Used it, and then I was like, I wonder if anyone will notice that <laughs> we shouldn't have this and then take it away from us. Yeah. Did you guys see how I noticed that? It's because someone on on uh, Twitch linked to uh, twitch.tv slash wizard space gaming, intending to link to just slash wizard gaming. But because they put a space in there, of course, the URL just was twitch.tv slash wizard. And I clicked on it. And you were like, I was what? like, well, because it did that crazy thing where if you search for Idle Thumbs on Twitter, it doesn't just search Idle Thumbs. It also searches what the URL resolves to, right. not just the URL itself. Mm-hmm. So searching for Idle Thumbs on 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 Twitter crazily will return twitch.tv slash wizard since that resolves to twitch.tv slash idle thumbs. That's amazing that that's how their search works, but it does. 